0: I'm Ruth Sturkey and welcome to Money Expresso, no for conversations exploring money and life. I know from my work as a financial planner that people are often inhibited when it comes to talking about money. I'd like to change that. I'm going to be speaking with guests from all walks of life and asking them to share their personal story and the influence that money has had along the way. I'll also be delving into those tricky money and life questions that I've seen my clients wrestle with over the years. My hope is the shared experience of our guests will help you think differently about money and make better money decisions hello and welcome to today's podcast before we get cracking with the main pod i just thought i'd share a few thoughts with you now firstly it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge that we're about to come out of lockdown i'm recording this as we go live on monday may the 17th and what a delight it will be to be able to meet our family and friends indoors or in the local pub. I for one have been freezing to death eating in a chili pub garden for the last few weeks, all in the support of my local pub you understand. I also wanted to share with you a uh, recent thought for the day that I heard on Radio 4. It was by the writer Ridian Brook. He was talking about a recent family gathering where his elderly father proudly announced to the group that he'd finally got all his financial affairs in order and that he'd signed his lasting power of eternity for Ridian. I just thought that was such a wonderful slip of the tongue. He then went on to talk more about the subject of inheritance and he spoke about inheritances often being too little, too much or too late. And it got me thinking about conversations I've had with clients over the years as they've deliberated over the writing of their wills or thinking about timing of gifting. When is the right time to pass money on to your nearest and dearest or charities? It's obviously a very personal decision and it can be complicated. So I think it's a subject that I'm going to come back to at a future podcast, as we tackle real money and life questions. Now our podcast today, Um, is one I thoroughly enjoyed recording. It's with a wonderful woman called Paula Higgleton, who's a friend of mine. Paula has had an amazing career and has recently stepped into retirement. Now, I use the word retirement reservedly, not least because Paula seemed pretty young to me to be retiring, but also because the word retirement, for me at least, has negative connotations. Kind of feels a little bit over the hill, less relevant, no purpose. Or maybe that's just me. Anyway, sit back, pour yourself a cup of coffee and listen to me and Paula chatting. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. My guest today is Paula Higgleton. Now I first met Paula about 20 or so years ago when she and I worked for sister firms. She was a tax manager. I was an independent financial advisor. Paula was greatly respected in the firm, both as a technically gifted tax planner, but more importantly, as a warm and inclusive people manager. From there, she rose to become a senior partner and vice chair at Deloitte LLP, a role she left in May 2020, just after the start of the first lockdown. Paula spent her 30-year career advising wealthy individuals and families on their businesses and wealth structures, helping them resolve complex issues and navigate the challenges brought about being beneficiaries of significant wealth. Paula's now swapped her 24-7 corporate lifestyle for a more relaxed one, including developing a golf handicap and learning Spanish. She's also dead keen to go traveling and see more of her family and friends as soon as the lockdown rules permit. Paula, I'm so delighted to have you as my guest today. Welcome.
1: Hi Ruth and thank you so much for that wonderfully uh... A uh, warm introduction, then. I'm delighted to be here. So, thank you for having me. Oh, on.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, tell me about your journey to become vice chair and senior partner at Deloitte before before <laughs> stepping away last April.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as you said, I've worked for thirty plus years. It was actually thirty-seven. So, as you can imagine, it's been quite a you know a long journey. And, um, you know, to go right back to the beginning, um, I was a child of the 60s and 70s. And, you know, around that time, you know, money was tight, you know, for many families. And, you know, the main objective then was to get through school as quickly as possible, uh, find the job and start bringing some money in.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so that's exactly what I did. Um, I, my first job um, was for the VAT office locally in Southend-on-Sea. I was 16 years of age. And of course, um, you know, for the first time I had money, you know, and with that came independence and a great social life at the time. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um but uh, you know, I I really wanted to kind of expand my horizons a little. And the guy I was working for at the time was great, and because I was under 18, um, there was a, a civil service scheme where you could actually take part in a day release course to do further education and he encouraged me to do this. So I spent the next two years doing a four years working in the office, sorry, f- uh, four days working in the office and um, you know one day um, studying for a BTEC National in Business Studies, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And when I finished that, I started to get ambitious and um, you know, wanted to get promoted. But of course at 18, 19, I was too young um, to get promoted into a management role then. So I started looking um, for a sideways promotion within the civil service. And two brilliant opportunities came along. Um, One was the diplomatic service, you know, travel the world, go and live in another country, you know, have some great experiences. And the other one was the inland revenue. And uh, the inland revenue uh, paid 200 pounds a year more. (laughs) It became a no brainer, that was the job I took.
0: Yes, like forget about travel, that 200 pounds. Two
1: hundred pounds was a lot of money. Um, So I went off to the revenue. I started doing um, personal tax, uh, which I really found interesting, great intellectual challenge. Um, But I didn't find working for the revenue back in the 80s quite so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And another colleague uh, encouraged me to explore um, opportunities with uh, private firms of accountants. Um, The government privatizations were in full swing at that time, and uh, people's personal tax affairs uh, were becoming more complicated, so firms of accountants were looking to hire personal tax specialists um, to go and help um, advise on personal tax. So I took the plunge, worked for a, went to work for a small firm of accountants um, in Southend. Uh, they encouraged me to do my professional qualifications, uh, which I did. I did my first lot with them, um, but I needed more experience. Um, Uh, within the tax world to go on to do my second lot of uh, professional qualifications and that's when I met you when I joined uh, uh, a mid-tier firm in the city Um, and I started to expand my tax experience which was really exciting I really really enjoyed doing that. Um, But this was kind of the early 90s and the new self-assessment tax system was coming into play and um, Uh, The big six firms, as they were then, were looking for expertise, and I've got a bit of a reputation in the marketplace for knowing about self-assessment. So I, out of the blue, got a phone call from uh, PwC, or Coopers & Librand, as it was then, uh, to go and join them uh, to help them with self-assessment, which I duly did. And that was great, really loved that. Um, And then another phone call came along five years later from Deloitte, saying, uh, how about coming to join us? Um, I said no, originally. Um, But to cut a long story short, they twisted my arm, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I took the plunge, um, made partner there, and then as you said, uh, the last part of my career I was part of the vice chair team. And 20 years on, here I am looking back thinking, uh, you know, where did those years go? Where did that all go? So
0: Here I am. That's a fascinating story. So you left school at 16? Yes. And became on the, the vice chair team at Deloitte. That's a fantastic journey, Paula.
1: Yes. Yeah, I look back now and I think, well, you know, how did that happen? Yeah. And, um, you know, to be honest, uh, there were a lot of people I met along the way who gave me a, you know, a hand up. They invested in me, sponsored me and, you know, opened doors and opportunities, you know, to things that, you know, someone leaving school at 16 without uh, A-levels or a degree wouldn't normally get the opportunity yeah. to I wonder what it was they saw in you. What do you think? Um, I think it was sheer hard work, if you like. So I'd always been brought up to work hard and, you know, um, put everything into to, to the job. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a hard work commitment and, uh, you know. Maybe it, a modicum of talent. Go <laughs> <You're laughs> on, you can say it. <laughs> I did I did pass the exams and it wouldn't have been possible to do any of that without, uh, you know, the yes. exams. Yeah, um, yeah yes
0: I I just think I I love hearing your story you have told me it before but I I honestly never bore of it because I just think there's so much we can all learn from it
1: but I think to myself to think well you know I was very very lucky very fortunate
0: can we go back to um was it South End you were you were brought up
1: yes yes. yeah
0: so what what was your early memories of money
1: yes well as I sort of mentioned earlier money was always tight Tight, yeah. yeah I remember my parents having to, you know, budget very carefully and, um, you know, we were brought up to be very resourceful and creative. Um, so I have some sort of very fond memories of, um, you know, many of my clothes were homemade. So my mother's a, a bit of a demon with the knitting needles. So... Um, there there are many family photos where you'll see me wearing an amazing, you know, dress with an intricate knitted pattern in it. And then a year later, you'll see my brother wearing the same dress, but cleverly crafted into a pullover by my mother. (laughs) And, you know, I spent many a happy hour with my dad, you know, planting veg and fruit in the garden and, you know, bringing it all in. And uh, yeah, it was a very simple lifestyle, but, you know, very happy. Yeah, Uh, probably a lot healthier than what we do now.
0: (laughs) It's funny because I, th- I think you're you're just a few years younger than me and that upbringing in the kind of, you know, 70s, you know, yeah. where, where there was the delights of, of things like Angel Delight was was just like, you, you know.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there weren't really family holidays, you know, if we ever no. went in a tent, you know, you yeah. had the policy of the English weather, which you know be in good stead for festivals later on in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
0: yeah. Was all very simple
1: and did you did you you so you
0: observed your your uh mom and dad having to budget carefully was money that something that was talked about in the home when you were were you young
1: no not really um the key thing was to have a job you know a good steady job and to stay in that job which is you know why i did create a few waves when i sort of moved on from job to job <laughs> over yeah. the year because ah. i always had it instilled in me to find a job and you know stick with it um but money itself wasn't really discussed other than, you know, wasting it was a very bad thing. And mm. you know, yeah. we are very careful with it.
0: And kind of interesting, that thing you were saying about, you know, you were brought up to think, get a job, stay in the job. And then there were waves as you moved to yes. further your career. What do you think were the concerns of your of your family?
1: Um, I think it was really having a steady job and a steady income. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was it was always seen to be a risk uh, to change jobs, and I do think that generation before us, you know, it was very important to stay in a job for life. And yeah. you know, the civil service was a really good job with a pension, and mm. you know, didn't come much better than that. Yeah, uh, but you know, I think our generation were rather more um, inquisitive around opportunity and yeah. a bit more exploratory around all of that sort of thing. Um, and, and leaving
0: school at sixteen, so evidently you were. A very bright person. You left school at 16. Was that because you really wanted to work or university just wasn't kind of like in your, your DNA? What
1: what was what happened there? I, I think, it, you know, university wasn't really something that um, was talked about or was something that was really on the cards and the very thought of having financial independence yeah. was something that was very appealing. Yeah. Um, and I suppose what's funny is um during one of my lockdown clearouts, um, I discovered that I still had my first bank statements and payslips and credit card bills. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it has been an amazing sort of a, I don't know, revelation as to what I did with the money back then that I was earning. Um, because really? you know, what did you do? Well, I can tell you exactly what I did. <laughs> so, um, my first payslip here shows that my take home um, was two hundred and twenty-three pounds for the month. Wow. And, uh, my first credit card bill for the same month shows me buying a pair of boots from Chelsea Girl £15.99, which was an extortionate amount of money to spend on a pair of um, boots at the time. Um, but I remember them very well, and I, I loved them dearly. Um, I think my parents were pretty horrified that I'd uh, blown such a lot of money on one thing, but, uh, but there you go, it was a treat for my first uh, paycheck. Um, and my bank statement is... <laughs> oh my God, those are things of the past, aren't they? <laughs> Yes, and um, this shows, I remember having a really good social life, um, but it shows me taking out, you know, the odd five pounds and ten pounds here. I can only conclude that um, going out was a lot cheaper then. <laughs> I do remember having a great time um, at the civil service uh, bar where a pint of cider and black was ten and a half p. So you could have a pretty good time on a pound, you know, including having the bus fare. And uh, <laughs> probably a bag of chips on the way home as well. So, <laughs>
0: brilliant, eh? Fancy it. I love the fact that you've got those documents to hand.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I... Um, they made the cut, obviously, on the clear-out. Uh, only the very first ones. The rest had to go, I have to say. But I think that goes back to my childhood where, you know, i been very reluctant to throw things out. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> you yeah. know, you got right to the past. <laughs> and what... Um,
0: what kind of money habits do you think you kind of carry forward to today from your upbringing?
1: Um, well, yes, it goes back to don't like to waste anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, always, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, before I chuck something out, either going to a good home or it's so worn out that, you know, the bin is the only place for it. Yes. Um, I've always tried to live within my means. And I think that goes back to my childhood, you know, mm. making sure that you didn't spend more than you had. So I always made sure that um, I paid off my credit card bill every month. That was pretty tricky at first when I developed a penchant for shopping in Chelsea Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and I was always encouraged by my parents to have something stashed away, no matter how small, for a rainy day. Mm. Uh, so that was something that, um, you know, I always made sure I had, however small, just yeah. in case.
0: Good habits indeed,
1: yeah. Yeah. I suppose, you know, going back to my childhood, you know, I'm actually quite good at fixing things and mending things, um, which I think comes from, you know, watching my dad um, mending stuff rather than going out and buying new things because it wasn't the money to do that all the time back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, very resourceful. Yes. And do you plant vegetables these days?
1: No, but I did build a shed uh, from scratch, a small shed at the start of lockdown last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Very good. Have hand with a power tool. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> very resourceful. Very resourceful. Um, you, you, we, we made reference in the introduction that um, part of your role was helping uh, families uh, and clients of Deloitte with some of the money challenges that they faced. Kind of often around being the beneficiaries of significant wealth.
1: Yes.
0: What did you typically see with the struggles of people that, that some of our listeners might think that's a worry?
1: Yes, yes. Well, it, it was always one of those things where, um, you know, when you, you always think not having money is stressful, but equally having lots of money is also um, just as stressful, too. Um, and there's always the worry of parents as to how to introduce their children uh, to the ways of wealth and to, you know, how to get them to appreciate it and to, you know, make sure they do the right things with it and they do not grow up spoiled. Um, So that was always a massive challenge. And uh, one thing I often found uh, was that tax would be a focus, but I'd always try and encourage families to think about what it was they wanted to do from a family perspective and let the tax follow as opposed to um, saying, right, you know, this is what we want to do with the tax and then trying to shoehorn their lives and their families Mm. to fit the tax profile because you know over my many years um, of specializing in tax I saw so many people leading unhappy lives because they'd allowed the tax to dictate how they live their life other than you know rather than the other way
0: yeah you you hear stories don't you about people living in I don't know Yes. strange places to prevent paying a tax bill and being yes. removed from their family and friends that's always struck me as rather odd
1: yes absolutely and you know the key thing is just to put your life first there's no point in having money and not enjoying life you know it's there to be money is there to be enjoyed
0: yeah
1: and, uh, you know always some quite interesting and often difficult conversations in making sure that uh, you know um, perspectives were uh, you know in the right order
0: yeah
1: and priorities you know in the right place. Yeah and
0: were people generally open to that concept that you know let's put the tax to one side at the moment let's talk about the life that you would like for yourself and your family did you find that people were just sidelined by the idea of paying what they perceived to be significant amounts of tax?
1: Yes and I think over the years times changed I think people's attitude to tax changed quite significantly in that um, you know, at the start, it was all about saving tax. And then as time went on, it became about paying the right amount of tax. Mm. And I think people are much more um, open um, to the fact that uh, you know, life should come first and uh, you know, the tax should be secondary. And you know, it's very important to pay the right amount of tax as opposed to let everything revolve around you know, uh, uh, shoehorning everything into saving the tax. And I do think the generation coming through are much more savvy, um, much more philanthropic, um, much more about impact investing, Mm. uh, making a a difference for good, Mm. uh, which was really lovely to see coming through over the years.
0: It is, isn't it? And it's something that we see uh, at at Paradigm Norton There's an increasing request for impact investing. Um, ESG investing and, and and philanthropy very much I think we see as people being increasingly interested when they know that they, they have more than enough for the life that they want.
1: Yes, and I think people are much more open now to have conversations and start those conversations earlier with their children.
0: Yeah.
1: that They're educated and well versed in the ways of wealth as opposed to when I go back to the beginning of my career. And I'd sit in meetings where, you know, the parent would hand the tax return over, tell the child to sign it and then take it away again, as opposed yes. to holidays where, you know, there'd be a very open conversation as to what was on the tax return, yeah, what wealth was involved.
0: And it's so important to stop those conversations early, isn't it, within the family, I think. So there's a, there's a real appreciation. I, I remember uh, a, a wealthy family we looked after and... The uh, parents were incredibly concerned that if they passed their money to their children, uh, the daughter in particular would just give the money away to philanthropic courses. Yeah. And I always thought that was perhaps something that they shouldn't fear, um, to be perfectly honest. But um,
1: yes, it's all about um, you know educating the children in the ways of wealth at the yeah. outset, so that when when it comes to it, then you know it's not such a, a frightening thing. Yeah. Either for the you know parents handing the money down, or for the children themselves who are left as the custodians of the wealth.
0: Absolutely, and, and is that something that you would talk to all generations of the family, or were you t- typically speaking to the the, the, the parents?
1: Uh, well, the conversation would normally start with the parents, and um, I always tried to encourage the parents to bring the children into the conversation, and you know, often that was yeah. quite a difficult thing to do, quite understandably. Um, but so, uh, you know, absolutely essential to have the whole family aligned and to ensure that, you know, the objectives of the whole family um, are totally aligned because there's yeah. nothing worse than parents saying, well, this is what we as a family stand for and what our objectives are. Mm. The next generation aren't brought into that because that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And, um, you know, inevitably fallings out, which um, really aren't good for wealth preservation at all.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And the family as a whole, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated by this point, so you worked, I think you said 37, for 37 years, and you stepped back from what must have been an incredibly full-on role uh, with Deloitte um, at the start of lockdown. Yeah. And I looked at your LinkedIn bio, and it said something like, recently retired and enjoying life. Now, I love this, because I'm hoping that th- that's obviously your reality at the moment. But I'm keen to explore the word retirement yes. because you seem to have embraced it. And I think that's great. Yeah. But I observe in many people and you're many years off what I would see as a traditional retirement age. Yeah. What what does the word retirement mean to you?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I suppose, you know, um, for me, it's more about a pause from that sort of full on 24 seven. Uh, role um, to really take time to step back and reflect on mm. what I want the next phase of life to look like. You know, the first phase is about, I would see it as being, you know, the learning, the next phase is the earning. Yes. And then the final phase where really, you know, you can um, make of it what you wish. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I've you know, been able to take stock of where I am, you know, I'd accumulated a, a big to-do list of things that I really wanted to do but never found the time to do um, while I was working. So you mentioned golf earlier, so there's exactly a whole revelation as to how much fun that is, um, <laughs> learning Spanish. Um. You know, the other thing is, uh, you know, discovering the local area. Mm. I think uh, lockdown, of course, um, put travel plans on hold, but it also uh, presented an amazing opportunity to discover the local area. You know, I'd lived here for 12 years and not really ventured too far up the road so we have discovered an awful lot of nature in East London and who knew you know we had so much wildlife in East London yes Um, but that's been you know a really good fun thing to do um and you know going forward um you know I'm looking at taking some more things on. I've been doing some voluntary work, which has been great to sort of uh, get involved in things. So I'm looking at doing some more community stuff, uh, particularly in the education area, mm. I'm very strongly about some um, you know, social mobility and, um, you know, helping local kids with their career um, opportunities. Um, and then, you know, I'll probably take on some NEDs and things like that. But uh, Nothing that's gonna get in the way of the travel plans or the uh, you know, developing the golf handicap, hopefully.
0: So. That sounds like you've got a great balance in mind there.
1: Yes, yeah, it's gotta be fun as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so looking forward to all that developing as the next uh, few years go on.
0: And are, uh, how are you finding being away from the corporate world?
1: Yes, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I'm really, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I'm hoping none of my colleagues will, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I loved it while I was doing it. It was fantastic. You know, amazing experiences and mm. opportunities I could never have imagined I'd have, and got to meet some fabulously interesting people. Um, but you know, I, I feel as though I've managed to make that transition quite nicely into, um, you know, a whole different lifestyle. I think lockdown helped in providing yes. a gentle glide down yes. or relaxed um, pace of life. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's, I think it's really important to kind of take stock as to where you are in life, and um, you know, take the time to plan what it is you really want to do. Having worked uh, endlessly for the last—I uh, hate to keep saying—thirty-seven years. <laughs>
0: it doesn't seem possible, does
1: it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So you mentioned, as
0: we were, as you were talking about your career, that um, a, a, a few people along the way that. Um, Kind of gave you some guidance or pointed you in the right direction or encouraged you who would you say has had the biggest impact on your life whether that's your career or your life and, and why would that be
1: that's an interesting one there's definitely more than one i'd say so the very first one that really stands out is the um uh the boss i had in my first job who took me aside and said look you know this is a job in the VAT office, but it's not, you know, it's not a fabulous job. Um, and with your O-levels, yes, um, you should really look at doing this day release course in business studies. And, um, you know, he was an elderly gentleman or, or so I thought he was, he was probably, you know, 45 or so, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> very old at the time to me. Um, but, you know, that was really significant in enabling him mm. to go on and do professional qualifications later.
0: And and just, sorry inter- interrupt you, Paula, but was that something that you'd ever imagined might open up to you or did you just think it would be work from 16 and that was it?
1: I just assumed it was work you know in the civil service and that that would be it you know as my going back to my parents that was the kind of you know career paths they had yeah um so no never imagined that at all um so that was a major influence and then you know um the people at Deloitte, you know, I had various bosses at Deloitte who really did, you know, help me get through to partner, mm-hmm. um, and then really invested in me to, um, you know, give me a fantastic career path. And uh, you know, it was just such an amazing privilege to be part of the vice chair team mm-hmm. towards the uh, end of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and as I said, I look back and think, well, you know, 16-year-old leaving school without or a degree, you know, how did I get here? Yeah. Um, but, you know that you can't do that without sponsorship and the support from you know those around you
0: i i know from people i've spoken to over the years i mentioned that we we work we worked at a, a, in sister firms um kind of at the turn of the century i think it was paula and <laughs> i it, people always speak so warmly about you uh being a member of the team and being a manager of people what what how do you approach people management because it's not an easy thing to do
1: Yes, um, it's really, you know, always approaching everything with fairness, so I think having good conversations with people uh, is really important and really giving honest feedback. Um, I think one of the most important things is to have difficult conversations, it's very easy to tell Mm. someone how well they're doing and what a great job they're doing. but for people to really progress, I think they need to understand what it is they can do to improve themselves. Yeah. So I always tried to have very honest conversations in a supportive and collaborative way. Yeah. Um, so that difficult conversations were really constructive. Yes. To gain some trust so that people would know that um, you know, my uh, you know, agenda was re- is, is really about helping them to, you know, get on themselves. Mm. And, promoted and you know have, mm. a, have a career so that was something i always tried to um approach uh you know leadership and management you know around having honest conversations mm.
0: that's i mean for me i think you've hit the nail on the head there with that you know fairness and honest feedback and having those difficult conversations because it becomes very painful when those things don't happen or a dodge don't they it, it doesn't help anybody ultimately so
1: I know i always appreciated people being very honest you know saying well this yeah. is what I'm focus on you need to do more of this so yeah you know, i think it's really important to do that for, for people coming through
0: yeah just to change the subject slightly so one of the things that always interested me is the way that people spend money and in my role as a financial planner uh we often ask people to share with us their their the, the way that they spend money and what's always fascinated me is that people say, regardless of whether they spend 20,000 pound a year or 300,000 pound a year, that they don't lead an extravagant lifestyle. And it's also relative, isn't it? And it, you know, It's certainly without judgment. But the other thing I've also noticed is that people are happy to spend money in certain areas without even seeming to give it any thought and then watch yeah. every penny in other areas. What, what, what are those two contrasts for you?
1: Right, okay. Um, I suppose for us, uh, we love travelling and experiences. So, you know, we'll tend to decide on where it is in the world we want to go, uh, what sort of experience we want to have, and we'll just spend the money on it. You know, the budget will be what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, And also in lockdown, I alluded to earlier the fact that, um, you know, I've been discovering the local wildlife of Limehouse and um, I've developed a rather extravagant spending habit on duck and swan food. (laughs) Is, <laughs> I didn't uh, see that coming, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, you know we just don't think about it. Yeah. In terms of where you know we sort of think about, uh, uh, we we'll watch every penny. Um, I suppose one thing I discovered with retirement is that I've actually had the time to look at our outgoings and yeah. you know what we go on and how much. And one thing that I was quite horrified to discover is how many things like subscriptions we had and. You know membership fees for things that um we either didn't need or we were duplicating because my husband and I both had them and we didn't really needed a family one or things like you know my mobile phone bill I was on the wrong tariff but I'd never had the time to look at it before yeah um you know and that went from 50 pounds to 15 pounds a month which feels like you know small amounts of money but uh, if I had to add up everything I'd probably saved from you know, making sure we had the right subscriptions for the right mm. uh, things. I mean, you know, I dread to think how much money we were actually, um, you know, wasting essentially. Yeah. Um. So, so that's something that yeah, I got quite irritated about. So I don't know if that answers your question. But
0: no, no. I think I think it's true, isn't it? I think when you're busy, yeah. it, you know, it. I mean, I know I need to do exactly what you've just done with uh, my uh tv setup and you know virgin media taking whatever they take each month and i already watched the blooming telly what's that about so yeah i just need to go through the pain of getting on the telephone and yeah. actually getting that that sorted out so i totally understand totally yeah. understand what you're saying do you, do you have um within your household do you um and uh your husband might how, how do you talk about money between you do you do you share money decisions or is it because you've come from the tax background is all in your court how does that work
1: yeah well we're totally um you know everything's totally shared conversations are very shared we don't spend on anything unless we're both agreed on it so it's very much a joint um you know a joint project if you like mm. um how, how we do it obviously you know i'll take care of the tax returns i wouldn't trust him with mine but <laughs> <laughs> with my area of expertise um but for everything else it's a you know totally joint um you know joint accounts joint everything yeah um think so that's just very important really yeah definitely definitely although
0: because it isn't always the norm is it as i'm sure you've seen
1: no i would say yeah. i probably spend far more than he does but um you know, <laughs> it seems mine, so.
0: things balance out i'm sure i'm sure which leads me on to one of my favorite questions um you can't actually now say duck and swan food but what <laughs> has been the thing that's brought you the most pleasure under 30 pound that you've purchased in the last say 12 months
1: yes well without a shadow of a doubt and 30 pounds is the the, the the number actually um i never thought i would ever need these, but they've been invaluable over lockdown It's my marks and spencers thermal underwear <laughs> <laughs> um, they have been amazing for spending lots of time outdoors, all those walks throughout the winter, yeah. You know, um, being able to you know sit out when we were able to and uh, either picnic or uh, eat our fresco during December. Um, <laughs> absolutely been a godsend. Um, and you know, I like them so much, I bought another set. They were so, <laughs> so good, wow. and valuable. Um, you know, other than the duck food, which you know, 30 pounds will buy you 16 kilos and a huge amount <laughs> of fun. <laughs> Um, Thermals open up a whole outdoor world, which I never previously really experienced when I was working.
0: I love that! Brilliant. God, m s <laughs> thermal underwear. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> and as a slight follow-on, what's your kind of um, guilty money
1: secret? Guilty money secret? Well, you know, I suppose it would be the duck food, really. Um, you know, I, um, you know, we um, we do spend without worrying too much about, uh, you know how much we're parting with to spend them you know and of course and, and travel as I mentioned that's something yeah, that, um, yeah. we do uh, spend a gung-ho about spending on that and uh, you know, Actually, that must
0: is, be raring to go when lockdown lifts so if, you, if you if you got your 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 next trips mapped out
1: well that's right yes yeah, so all the ones that were meant to happen last year have been pushed out now to next year yeah um so um you know we're sort of raring to go to to do those, and of course, I've got a list as long as my arm as to all those other places that we want to get cracking on. Yeah, we do have, a, we do have an ambition to travel to as many countries in the world as we possibly can. Whether that will ever be possible, I don't know. Yeah, but I have a map on the wall here. You can't see that covered in you know stickies and uh, annotations as to where we're going to try and go and when. So. Oh,
0: brilliant, good. all right, we'll, wait, we'll wait to hear more about that. Yeah. and and finally, I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm keen to have this podcast talking about money so i think we can all learn from each other around the things that we've learned over time which i'm calling my our money poles of wisdom so so paula could you leave us with one two however many you feel appropriate of paula's money poles of wisdoms so that people can perhaps think whether they can use for themselves
1: Yes, I suppose the key one for me has always been never to live beyond my means. So, you know, I've always been careful about, uh, I mentioned credit card bills and paying them off every month. Mm. I've really been, you know, tried to be careful about um, not overextending. And, um, you know, encouraged by my parents, I I started saving, you know, very, very young, I was marched down to the building society, you know, as soon as I was old enough to open an account, you know, with a pound. to put it in and you know my parents always instilled this habit of making sure you saved every week or every month no matter how small an amount it was but you know getting into that habit mm. uh, you know whilst it might be a small amount at first um you know it gets increased during in the habit and uh, you know if you start early enough it doesn't matter how small the amount yeah. is you're putting away you know uh, from small acorns you know yes uh, you know, greater things uh, grow yeah so I think that's just really important and you know with hindsight, as well, I think I'd have taken my pension a bit more seriously earlier on. Um, but, you know, hindsight's a valuable thing. I can't
0: believe a tax expert is saying that, Paula.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you have your first mortgage, you know, it's very easy to. Yes, absolutely. Know, to as much in your pension as, as you could. But, so, you know, if it's possible, I would definitely encourage everyone to start that as early as possible.
0: And it's funny you mentioned pensions, actually, because pensions have got a bad rap, I think, haven't they, with, with many people. And um, there's been scandals and things and, you know, which has all been incredibly unhelpful. But ultimately, I always like to think of it as just a a, a, a kind of sexy tax advantage glorified saving scheme, isn't it, really? So it, um,
1: it's a no brainer at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. getting the, the the roll up, you know, tax free, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's all within the rules and, you know, it's it's there. Yeah, to be taken advantage of. So start early,
0: Paula. Thank you so much. They've been. It's been really lovely chatting to you, and thank you for telling us about your incredible career journey. I I, I love the idea of your three phases: the learning, earning, and now you're about to move into the next, uh, the next phase. I kind of can't wait to see how that that develops and hear about your trips. But um, thank you very much for your, for your time and your wisdom. It's really appreciated.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me on. And uh, yeah, I very much enjoy, enjoyed chatting with you, Roy. So thank you. Thanks,
0: Paula. Bye for now.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. I'd really appreciate it if you could take a couple of minutes of your time to go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, and give a five-star review for Money Expresso. Apparently, this helps more people to find the podcast so we can help more people think differently about their money and their life. If you've got any thoughts, comments or questions on any of the matters discussed or life and money generally, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Ruth Sturkey. Of course, the conversations with my guests are not intended as advice. My intention is to merely share our guests' money and life experiences to entertain, educate and inform you. Any form of investing involves risk and the value of your investments may go down as well as up. So please do speak with a financial planner before making any investments to make sure they're the right ones for you. Thank you.